Hi, this is Malia Warner. Welcome to Power Principles, the podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to an episode all about meekness. First, congratulations on being here. I am predicting that just from the title, a good chunk of regular listeners will skip this episode. Why? Because we often skim over meekness. I mean, meek, it rhymes with weak, right? We hear meek and we think soft, timid, submissive, controllable. We might think of a meek person as being spineless, spiritless, having no backbone. And who wants to be weak? In this world, we want to be strong, empowered, in charge, self-made, right? So anything with the word meek in it, it's easy for us to skim over. We think, oh, that's not for us. Meek, I don't want to be a meek person. So for whatever reason, you clicked, you're listening, congratulations. You're going to be so glad that you're here. I promise after today's episode, you are never going to view meekness in the same way. You're going to see it as an awesome superpower. I kind of think that because you're here, this characteristic of meekness is something that you're being drawn to, that it's something that you are going to think about for days to come, that it's really going to work in your mind and in your heart and is going to be something that you really want to develop. And you might even end up praying for it, praying for help and strength to develop meekness. The meekness we are going to talk about today is not what you think. In Greek times, war horses were meeked. Horses were trained to stay in the battle so that in the midst of battle commotion, the explosions, the cannons firing, the arrows flying, the swords, the men and horses crying and falling wounded, a meeked horse would not spook and run away, but would stay on the field. And I invite you to stay to the end of the episode. I'm going to share the story of where I learned about this principle of meekness from a really surprising, unexpected situation, which turns out to be the pristine example of a person demonstrating meekness. So today we are going to trace the meaning of meekness back to its Greek origin and break down our common misconceptions of meekness in order to understand how developing true meekness might actually give us more strength and fortitude than trying to develop strength or fortitude or courage or bravery or influence. And I'm going to share what being meek means to me and how it manifests in my day-to-day life. I love today's topic so much. Who would have thought that meekness might be our most powerful power principle? And I'm so glad you're here to learn more about it. Before we dive in, I want to read the review of the week that comes from W. Hale. And the title says, Excellent, Enlightening, and Relatable. I have really enjoyed listening to Malia's Power Principles podcast. Her discussion points are enlightening, and she is well-versed and engaging. She is an incredible storyteller and her personal examples are very relatable. Her podcast is helping me to live my best life. 
Thank you so much, W. Hale, for the review. I am so glad that these principles are helping you to live your best life. We need everyone on the planet to live their own best life, not somebody else's best life, but your own best life. We need your talents, your gifts, your strength, what you uniquely have to offer the world. And if this podcast in some way helps you become the best version of you, then mission accomplished. Thank you for taking the time to leave a review and for helping other people to find these principles, these messages, which will help them also to live their best life. If you haven't left a review yet, then will you please? And tell me why you listen. Tell me how these episodes help you go about your day in a more empowered way. Thank you so much. Okay, I love today's topic because I love things that are understated, overlooked, maybe even misunderstood. And meekness is definitely one of those qualities, a powerful principle that is understated. I don't know about you, but I love getting those aha moments when you see something or someone in a completely new way. When there's something or some person that you might think of as small or insignificant, or maybe you don't think of them at all, and then you learn something about it and you are blown away by its power. It makes me think about, for example, when you go to the funeral of an older man or an older woman in your neighborhood whom you've only known during their older years. You've only known them during their years of frailty and wrinkles, and you've known them maybe even as someone that's been a bit dependent on the neighborhood to care for them. And then you go to the funeral and you learn all these amazing things about their life, who they were and things that happened and things that they've done. And suddenly you see them in a completely new light. It also reminds me of a character in one of my favorite middle grade children's books, The Wednesday Wars by Gary Schmidt. If you want a great read aloud with a fourth to fifth grader, I can recommend this one. So the main character, Holly Hood Hood, is a seventh grader who lives in Long Island, New York, and all of his classmates are either Catholic or Jewish, and he's the only Protestant. And so every Wednesday when they go off to their respective religious studies, he has to stay in the classroom with his teacher, Mrs. Baker. And he thinks this is a great punishment, and he thinks Mrs. Baker has it in for him because she always makes him read Shakespeare. And a great story unrolls in which you discover that Holling idolizes, like many of the boys in the late 1960s, idolizes the Yankee baseball stars, Mickey Mantle and Joe Pepitone. And he gets snubbed by Mickey Mantle, who won't sign an autograph for him. And then there's this great scene where he's with his teacher, Mrs. Baker, who he thinks is just this prudish, mean, punishing teacher. And these baseball players come up and ask her for her autograph. And it turns out that Mrs. Baker in her pre-teacher years was an Olympic track star and that the Yankee players idolize her. And you also learn that her husband is stationed in Vietnam. And I just love how Holling comes to see his teacher in a completely different light as he comes to understand more about her and her origin and that who he knows her as on Wednesdays isn't the whole story of who she is all of her life. 
And for me, this is a great example of the word meek. We have come to associate the word meek with the meaning of weakness, frailty. I even looked up one of the meanings in the dictionary and it said spineless. But if we trace the origins of the word meek, we get a much different picture. So our word meek comes from the Greek origin word praus, and it was a word that the Greeks used to describe their war horses. And one of the first written places that this word is found in literature was from the soldier slash author Xenophon. I think that's how you say his name. I don't speak Greek. But he wrote like this seven book series, The Anabasis, about the march of the 10,000 Greek mercenaries to the interior of Babylon. And he describes the selection and the training of their war horses in a book that is translated to the title of The Art of Horsemanship. So the Greek army would find the wildest horses in the mountains and bring them to be broken in. After months of training, they sorted the horses into categories. Some were discarded, some were broken and made useful for bearing burdens, pulling the carts and the wagons, some were useful for ordinary duties, and the fewest of all graduated to be the war horses. When a horse passed the conditioning required for a war horse, its state was described as praus, or the horse had been meeked. Being meeked meant that the war horse had strength under control. A war horse never ceased to be determined, strong, passionate. However, it learned to bring its nature under discipline. The horse gave up being wild and ruly, out of control and rebellious, and learned to bring all that nature under control to the point that the horse would now respond to the slightest touch of the rider. It would stand in the face of cannon fire. It would thunder into battle and stop at a whisper. The horse was now meek. Described in this way, meekness is the restraining of the control of one's own power. So a meek person is not who we might typically think of as the weakest, the quietest, the softest of the population. Rather, a meek person is the one filled with passion, spirit, energy, who has undergone a training process to channel all that, to take all that fire all that passion and know how to put it under control. The New Testament was written in Greek, and so it utilizes a combination of this meaning of the Greek word of meek as strength under control with the Jewish meaning of meekness as being submissive to God's will and you get a combination of the Greek war horse who was trained and submitted all of its power and strength to its master's will 
to the example of Jesus in the New Testament, who is described as meek and who always submitted his strength, his power to the will of God. In fact, in all of the Bible, there are two people described as meek, Moses and Jesus. Now, neither Moses nor Jesus were pushovers. They were both determined men, men of mission. They were strong-willed, decisive, and obedient. In Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, it says, Now the man Moses was very meek, more than all men that were on the face of the earth. In what ways was Moses meek? We know that he stood up against Pharaoh. We know that he led the Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years. And remember, he even argued with God. When God was just done with the Israelites, it was Moses that said, "Um, remember, you did make a covenant with them. In Aristotle's teachings, he explains that the praus man or the meek man is the one who has the virtue of the mean between two extremes. So everything in life is on this continuum, this spectrum with extremes on each end. And I find this with the power principles. Every power principle has polar extremes. On one day, I could talk about the power of embracing the mess. And on the other day, I could talk about the power principle of cleanliness and order. And it can get confusing because I could think, well, which one is right? Embracing mess or embracing order? And the truth is that we don't want to live in the extremes on either end of the spectrum. We don't want to constantly be in a state of mess. We don't want to completely embrace mess so that our life is always messy. And also we don't want to be so far on the extreme of order and cleanliness that we are so uptight and stressed out when, especially with young kids, things get messy or sticky or you're remodeling. Inhabiting fully either end of the spectrum is not a healthy place to be. The episode about organized chaos, if you missed that episode, that was a hidden gem also. That organized chaos is finding the middle space between that, that sometimes you lean into the mess and that's what moves you forward as you try to bring things in your life back to order. And Aristotle explained that finding the middle ground in these extremes is the definition of meekness. Aristotle would explain, for example, that on the spectrum of anger, with full anger being on one end of the spectrum and complete pacifism being on the other end of the spectrum, Aristotle would not say that a meek person never gets angry. Rather, Aristotle would argue that the praus person, the meek person, is the one who feels anger on the right grounds against the right person at the right moment and for the right amount of time. Or Aristotle would say that on the spectrum between recklessness on one end and cowardice on the other end, that the right virtue in the middle would be courage. So that the meeked person has developed the strength and control of finding that middle ground. To be meeked is to have developed a focused, deliberate center. I am not going to say that a meek person is balanced because 
progress is a continual leaning towards one end of the pole and then correcting to the other end of the pole, leaning to one end of the spectrum and correcting to the other end of the spectrum. It's not so much balance as it is the effort of pulling the two extremes together and finding the strength of the middle ground. Meekness is self-restraint. It's having the ability and power to do something and then selecting with wisdom when to use it. Jesus was described as meek. In fact, Jesus described himself as meek. I am meek and lowly of heart. He had all power. And the New Testament is a study in his use of meekness. When he calmed the sea, he was exuding tremendous outward power and control over the elements. Then he chose not to access that power and control over the elements to cause lightning to strike down the people who were beating him and nailing him to the cross. His meekness came in having strength and power and always controlling and submitting that power to the will of God. David Bednar said, Meekness is a defining attribute of the Redeemer and is distinguished by righteous responsiveness willing submissiveness, and strong self-restraint. Why in the Beatitudes does Jesus say that the meek are blessed and that the meek will inherit the earth? Is it because it is the meek people who will have the discipline, intelligence, strength, and wisdom to manage and care for Mother Earth and all of her resources? And what does being meeked mean to me? I want to share some experiences that I've been having with how the opportunity to be meek has manifest in my life in the past several months as I've been stewing over this concept. So for me, meekness means a focus. It's where my eyes are pointed. Being meek means do I focus on the results of what I'm doing? Am I going to focus on the odds or the outcome, or am I going to focus on doing my job? Being meeked means I show up for battle. I do my job with no guarantee of outcome. For example, some of you may have heard by now, I'm in the process of publishing my book. And when you get into this process of publishing a book, it's really easy to get caught up in the, oh, I want it to be really successful. I want it to be a bestseller. Maybe Oprah will pick it for her book club and, you know, thinking about, oh, maybe the interviews that I could do. And then when I start focusing on that and I sit down to do the editing, I realize, oh my goodness, this is terrible. This writing is terrible. There's no way that this writing is going to end up on a bestseller list. There's no way that, you know, anyone's going to want to endorse that. And it really drains my power. So thinking about the outcomes or trying to think about the result of the book, it it kind of takes the rug out from under me. And for me, meekness is to not think about those outcomes and to just show up for the battlefield, which in writing, the battlefield is me all alone, hour after hour, plunking through, wrestling with the words, 
fighting and staying there and staying no matter how noisy the distractions are, no matter how noisy my negative thoughts are, just ignoring all of the arrows, all of the cannons, all of the swords and noise and staying in the battle, doing my job with no guarantee of outcome. For me, meekness means not trying to be the war hero. And this is hard. We all want to be the hero, right? We all want to save the day. We all want to save people's lives. We want our work, our effort to be big and magnificent and noticeable and influential. But if I get caught up in that, I can tell that I've moved out of meekness. And that in order to move back into meekness, it means being true to myself and accepting that I have limitations, I have weaknesses, and that I'm going to show up and do my job anyway. I'm going to show up and do my work. I'm not going to try to be the hero. I'm not going to try to win the war all on my own. And that I'm not going to try to do every other horse's job or worry about how they're doing their job or that they're doing a more magnificent job than I am or getting more attention than I am and that I want to be doing their work on that hill because it's so important to that section of the battle where they're fighting. Does it make sense what I'm saying here that moving out of meekness takes me into focusing on if my role is important enough or if I'm good enough at it? Before school started, I attended a three-day mindset conference with my college-age kids. I've talked about the conference before. I give away tickets to it. It's one of my favorites. It's Master Your Influence, presented by Three Key Elements, and I'll include their website in the show notes. I don't get any kickback or anything. It's just a really powerful conference. And one of the things that kept surfacing for me during those three days is that I don't feel I'm ready enough. I don't feel like I know enough. I'm I'm not ready yet. I'm not smart enough. I'm not prepared enough. I still need to do more. I need to read more books. I need to edit my book more. I'm not ready to put myself out there. And I just kept having that nudging that it's time. The time to act is now. You will never feel fully prepared for battle. I don't know if anyone ever feels strong enough or prepared enough. And so for me, meekness is showing up as I am. I'm showing up with what I have, with what I know, strengths, weaknesses, the good, the bad, the ugly. It's all there. And meekness is my willingness to show up and let all of that be used for whatever purpose God has in mind for it. There's that scripture in Isaiah chapter 6 verse 8 where Isaiah saying, I heard the voice of the Lord, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here am I, send me. And over the past months, especially as I get really scared about things, I think of, I got to go on a handcart trek two summers ago, and the theme was, Lord, I am ready now. And the story comes from when Mormon settlers were migrating to Utah and some of the settlers who had left late in the season got stuck in the Rocky Mountains in severe snowstorms. And 
settlers who were already established in the Salt Lake Valley were called upon to get their wagons and their horses and emergency supplies and race out to the plains of Wyoming to rescue them. And when the call went out, there were people that said, okay, I've got to go finish this on the farm. I got to go milk my cows and get them some grain and get this done for my family and load up my wagons and I can go in two days or I can go in three days. And there was one person that stood up and said, me, I'm ready now. I can go right now. And I'm a big fan of preparation. I think it's good to have things all in order, but that phrase has been on my mind the past several months and has been teaching me what I feel like is a personal lesson about meekness, being willing to show up now. I will show up with what I have, with who I am, and God, you can use it for whatever purpose you need. And for me, developing meekness also means being true to who I am. That who I am, what I know, what I have to offer is enough. And I don't have to try to pretend to be anything else. And I hope that makes sense. I hope that encapsulates for you what meekness is beginning to mean to me. That it means being true to myself, being okay with the fact that I have strengths and I have weaknesses, I have talents, I have limitations, and being willing to show up as I am and stay the course. I think it's interesting that horses, that we put blinders on horses to help them not get distracted with everything that's going on around them. And for me, I feel like that is meekness, that that meekness can be those blinders to help keep me focused on my work, on what is my job, and staying focused on the battlefield no matter what distractions and noise is happening all around me. So I want to finish, as promised, with the story of where I first learned about this original meaning of the word meek as strength controlled. You will never guess. It was in a Cub Scout meeting. I am not even kidding about this. I had been asked to substitute to be a second leader in my son's We Blow Den meeting because in Scouts you always have too deep leadership and they needed another mom there. And the We Blow leader was teaching the boys and it's a group of six to seven boys age 10, like fifth grade. And each month she was presenting a different animal and she was teaching the boys using examples from nature about the strength and characteristics of different animals. And I happened to get to be there the week that she introduced the horse. And she talked about this concept of meeked war horses. So you can see where I'm going with this. You can see why I love this so much. Everything about that situation speaks meekness. A Cub Scout leader. There is no glory in being a Cub Scout leader in going week after week and chasing after boys, it's like herding cats. As a Cub Scout leader, you don't feel like you have a very important role, that what you do matters that much. It's not going to make a huge difference in the grand scheme of the battle of life, right? The work and the preparation and the time that you put into it for those six to seven boys, you wonder, one, if they're even listening to anything that you say, and two, if they're even going to remember it, tomorrow or the day after that, or when they're 
13 or 19 and having an existential life crisis. And there are just so many analogies that can be drawn here, how easy it would be to not think that that's an important battle to show up for, that it would just be easier to not show up to be the Weeblo Scout leader. And yet here is this leader who shows up with a meaningful lesson to train these six to seven, this small group of boys. And I happened to be able to be there the one night that she was presenting this lesson on the horse. And this 10 to 15 minute lesson presented to 10 year old Weeblo Scouts has changed my life. For the past several months when I get discouraged, when I'm ready to give up, when I just don't want to open the computer or when I don't want to make dinner, so many things that I don't want to show up for, I think about being meeked. I think about being a meeked warhorse and showing up for battle and staying on the field doing my job no matter what. And goodness no, I haven't been perfect at it, but I'm better than I was five months ago. And it's because I'm thinking about and working towards developing meekness. I'm feeling some strength of discipline growing in my life as I'm focusing on developing strength and control and obedience. And I think about being obedient to God and to everything that God is. So for me, being obedient to God is being obedient to wisdom, to light, to love. And so in moments when I want to flee or run away or not show up, I think about choosing meekness. And that means choosing to show up with the strengths, gifts, talents, whatever I have, and letting those be used in submission and obedience to wisdom, to light, to good, to love. So what do you think now about meekness? Is it like the most cool superpower ever that you'd want? So the next time at a party when everybody's playing the game, well, if you could have one superpower, what would you want? And some people say, I want to leap over tall buildings or some people want to turn invisible or be able to read people's mind or be able to change time. And you can say, me, I want meekness. I want to be the strong, passionate, spirited, determined, powerful horse who through discipline and training has learned to channel and control that power in submission to its master. Because that, my friends, is what it really means to be meek. Thank you for listening. This is Malia Warner. I hope you really got something out of today's episode. Remember right now to click on the library button on the bottom of your Apple podcast screen and leave a review. Mention a couple of your favorite episodes so someone scanning the reviews can find a good place to start. As always, have a fabulous week. I will meet you back here for another great episode of Power Principles, the podcast. Until then, bye-bye.